it was pretty just basic of me becoming a professional consumer of podcasting content, seeing what I thought was working in the industry and what was missing, and then creating what I considered the niche to fill that void, like creating the solution to the problems that I saw in the podcasting world. And that happened to be EO Fire. And luckily for me, enough other people found value in the show to allow it to grow to where, you know, we're now consistently generating over 1.5 million listens every month. You're listening to The Business of Thought Leadership with Nikki Ballou and Michael Palmer. Welcome to another edition of the podcast, The Business of Thought Leadership. I'm your co-host, Nikki Ballou. And I'm your other co-host, Michael Palmer. And boy, are we thrilled and excited about today's episode. Our guest today is a real thought leader in the world of podcasting. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the living legend himself, John Lee Dumas of EO Fire. John Lee is the host of EO Fire. This is an award-winning podcast where he interviews entrepreneurs seven days a week. During his tenure, he has interviewed over 1,400 entrepreneurs, and EO Fire has over a million monthly listens. Wow, that is absolutely incredible. And by the way, on top of that, John Lee has also created the Freedom Journal. The Freedom Journal is an incredible tool that helps you accomplish your number one goal in 100 days. Check out the Freedom Journal at thefreedomjournal.com. John Lee, welcome to the podcast, buddy. Michael, Nikki, I am fired up to be here. Let's ignite. Let's ignite. Listen, so the theme of this podcast, buddy, is the business of thought leadership, right? So the people who listen to this podcast are either thought leaders or aspiring thought leaders, and they're very interested in hearing from our guests how it is that they have become successful as thought leaders in their chosen area of specialty from a business point of view. So not necessarily, hey, I'm really good at this and this is my message, although that's important to share as well, but most specifically, how have you turned this into a successful business? Could you address that for us first, man? So I can say what I really look at as the reason why Entrepreneur on Fire has turned into a successful business. And again, it took time. You know, this is four years later. This is 1,400 episodes later. This is over 40 million listens of the show later. Is that from day one, I was committed to delivering free, valuable, and consistent content. And those are three ingredients that I implemented day one. And I'm still doing on day 1,401 here. Because... That is how, in my opinion, you can create an audience by delivering to them free, valuable, and consistent content. You can then reach out to that audience that you're building. You can say, what are you struggling with? And you can listen as they share their pain points, their obstacles, their challenges, their struggles. And then you, the person they know, like, and trust who created this free, valuable, and consistent content can provide the solution in the form of a product, a service, a community. And that is the way that we, number one, started our audience by free, valuable, consistent content, and then started turning out product, services, and communities that generate revenue. A community example would be Podcasters Paradise, the number one podcasting community in the world, over 3,000 members, over $4 million in revenue to date. Um, 
The Freedom Journal, a great book that we launched off of an idea from my listeners, struggles that my listeners, Fire Nation had of the inability to set and accomplish goals. And the Freedom Journal was the guide for them to do just that. And when we launched it via Kickstarter, it became the sixth most funded publishing campaign of all time on Kickstarter, doing 453K in 33 days. And to this day, having sold over 14,000 copies and growing. So those are the reasons that we've become successful. That's harking back to the initial ingredients, free, valuable, and consistent content. And whatever that means to you via the medium of choice you use, how you want to present and continue to frequent that content, whether it be daily like I do, multiple times per week, once a week, it's about setting up your ingredients for success and then sticking to it. Fantastic. I, I mean, I'm an, I'm an example of that, John, because your EO on Fire was the first podcast I actually listened to about a year ago. And I found out it through Nikki and listened to it. I thought, this is incredible. And I started poking around. I was like, whoa, there's some serious value in, in <laughs> the podcast world. Started listening to Digital Marketer and on and on and on it goes. Now I, I don't know what to choose when I get into my vehicle. But should everybody be thinking about this medium? So I think you need to know what your strengths are and your weaknesses are. Because for me, I looked at podcasting as a medium and I said, hey, as a consumer, I love podcasting. I love listening to podcasts. I'm just a big fan of this free targeted on-demand content. And so, yes, this medium worked for me as a consumer, but that doesn't mean that it would have worked as a producer. And frankly, I knew that I was not going to be good for a significant amount of time if I tried podcasting because I had no experience, no skills. I was frankly going to be bad. And the beautiful thing about podcasting, or some people might say the unfortunate thing, you can go either way, is that my episode 115, 150, they're all still out there. You can still go listen to them and see you know, how nervous, how robotic, how poor of a oh podcast God. host that I was. It's, it's, it's all out there. And, and that's the thing. But I knew that I did enjoy talking to people. I knew that, you know, I was, for all intents and purposes, an extrovert and type A personality. So, you know, that was appealing to me to have conversations with who I found inspiring. So for me, I knew podcasting could work and it would take time, energy and effort though. So it's not for everybody, but it's for a certain number of people who just, you know, have the gift for gab or at least want to develop that gift for gab because, you know, that's what it took for me. I had to put in the work day in, day out, get a little bit better every day to where I'm at now. Where you're at right now is rock star status, man. I, uh, <laughs> you gave me the privilege of appearing on your podcast about a year ago. I think it was in October yeah, of 2015. Yeah, it was over a year ago. And uh, we had a blast. You really made it easy for me. And it, it was the first thing that made me start to think, man, maybe this is something I should look at. You know, maybe not doing exactly what you do, because what you do is pretty darn unique, but putting my own flavor into it. And I want to just build on your answer and what Michael asked you. When do you think, if someone's listening to this show and thinking, man, should I be thinking about a podcast? Shouldn't I be thinking about a podcast? What kind of questions do you think people need to be able to answer for themselves so they can come up with an intelligent decision one way or another? So the question is like, how do you enjoy spending your time? And for me, I knew I did not enjoy spending my time sitting in front of a keyboard, pecking away, like coming up with the next great blog post or this or that. I knew that wasn't going to be for me. I also knew that, you know, I didn't enjoy the thought of 
getting my lighting all squared away and, 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 you know, getting, you know, putting on a shirt and like, you know, making sure my hair wasn't all hat head and, and doing a video like that wasn't appealing to me. Like I, I thought about things that I didn't want to do. And, and I thought, Hey, like, you know, speaking into a microphone, having conversations with cool people, audio only, like that sounds pretty appealing to me. And, and I get the draw from the consumer side because I love listening to podcasts. So I have a passion in the world of podcasting. And I think I could pretty easily develop a passion for producing podcasts and audio content of that sort. And, and that could have turned out to not be the case, but I love that MLK quote. You don't have to see the whole staircase to take the first step. And that was me. I didn't know what was going to be at the top of this or at, you know, even, I didn't even know what the second step was going to be, but I knew that I wanted to explore that second step and I was never going to get to step number two without taking step number one. So educated guess, you know, like, you know, yourself and, and you know, the direction that you probably want to be heading towards and you know, ideally what a good life for you could be, like if you could picture that and then start moving towards that. And, and you might have to turn back around and head back down the steps because you encountered failure or it's not what you thought it, it was going to be. Or you might have to turn a little bit left or a little bit right and, and, and pivot and take a new staircase, you know, that's similar but on a different trajectory. And, and that's okay too. But it's just part of the journey, which starts by taking action. So buddy, how did you pick your message and your audience? Because you have a very distinctive message and you have a very targeted audience. I just said, hey, what do I want as a podcast host? Like what is missing in the world of podcasting, in my opinion, again, as initially just a consumer of podcasts. And, you know, that's really where the frequency came out because I wanted to be listening to a show every single day when I was driving to work and, and there wasn't a show. You know, I wanted to be hearing the failures of every successful entrepreneur because I knew that that was going to give me courage of like, oh, if that person failed, you know, maybe it's okay for me to fail too, or for me to think that I might fail because they failed and I can learn a lot from their failures. And then actually talk about their aha moments and, and how they turned that idea into success. So it was pretty just basic of me becoming a professional consumer of podcasting content, seeing what I thought was working in the industry and what was missing, and then creating what I considered the niche to fill that void, like creating the solution to the problems that I saw in the podcasting world. And that happened to be EO Fire. And luckily for me, enough other people found value in the show to allow it to grow to where, you know, we're now consistently generating over 1.5 million listens every month. It's incredible. And your rise to that has been very quick. And I've heard through other podcasts as I've been listening that you, you sort of came out of nowhere and had this incredible success really, really quickly. Now, we know you've done a ton of work, but I'd, I love hearing the backstory breaks, if you will, the lucky breaks. I know you work really hard to get those lucky breaks, but what were some of those early day breaks that you had that maybe told you you're going in the right direction or, or that just gave you uh, the courage or the, the inspiration to, to take it to the next level? Love to hear that. Yeah, luck definitely has a, a big factor in my journey, as it does with a lot of entrepreneurs. I mean, luck is where effort means opportunity. So I was putting in the effort, the opportunity arose, and I took it. So I was lucky, you know, and I was lucky in some other factors. Like 2012 happened to be an amazing time to launch a podcast because the world was ready to start consuming podcasts at a higher level, yet 
the word wasn't out about podcasting yet. So there was an opportunity for a land grab and to be first to market, et cetera. So one of the big breaks that I got was, I'll never forget, um, I was driving home from a ski weekend at Sugarloaf Mountain, which is the biggest ski resort in Maine, which is where I was born and raised. And I said, hey, Kay, you want to go watch The Lord of the Rings? It was, I forget which one was out, but it was back in 2012. So whatever one was out then, one of the... Uh, the trilogy. And we, we pulled over and we sat down to watch the movie. And I looked at my, my emails real quick, right before the show started. And I had an email from Cliff Ravenscraft, the podcast answer man. Now, mind you, I had invested $3,500 about two months prior to be a part of Cliff Ravenscraft's podcast mastermind for a year, which is where we met weekly with other successful entrepreneurs, other not necessarily successful podcasters, but, you know, um, starting out podcasters at varying levels of success and, you know, had the guidance through that. And Cliff emailed me and I said, oh, I wonder if this is just like an update on the next time we're getting together for, you know, the the masterclass. And instead it was um, an email from him that said, hey, John, like I'm actually running the podcasting panel or the podcasting track for New Media Expo, which back in 2012 was the biggest conference out there for podcasters, for bloggers, et cetera, that was taking place in Las Vegas. And he said, we just had uh, uh, one of our top podcasters drop out. And he, he had the main, you know, he had one of the big rooms. So we expect it's going to be a pretty big audience. Um, but, you know, I was thinking about who could fill it. And I just think you have a really unique take on what you're doing. And I had definitely achieved some moderate success, even though it had only been two months since launch, but my download numbers were great and the traction and the buzz was out there. And Cliff said, uh, would, would you fill that spot? And I just immediately was like, oh my God, I'm so unqualified for this. I've never spoken publicly before. I'll do a horrible job. But I just wrote back, yes. Like immediately I was like, nice. yes, I'm going to do this. And a couple months later, I was in Vegas as a speaker having just launched my podcast. And I gave a very, very average talk at New Media Expo. And, you know, some people I'm sure had some takeaways because I tried my best, but, you know, I wasn't good and it wasn't great. But all of a sudden I was now a speaker at New Media Expo on podcasting with, you know, some experience under my belt. So I started getting asked to speak at other conferences and, and that just kind of snowballed and rolled into more and more opportunities. And it again, all came from initially investing in myself with the top podcasting guru of 2012, Cliff Ravenscraft, and him seeing an opportunity to, uh, to give me an opportunity and then me jumping on it. That's amazing. You know what I like about this is that you took something you were doing that you were passionate about, which is podcasting, and you leveraged it for uh, additional opportunities to get your name out there and make income through speaking. And that's one of the things that we're really, really big on having thought leaders do is don't don't just make money one way. Don't just deliver what you're doing one way, but do it in multiple ways. That's a really good example of doing that. So kudos to you, man. Thank you. Do you still do a lot of speaking engagements? Are you out there these days? I'm very limited on the number of speaking engagements I decide to do because, you know, I just know where I like to spend my time. I, I know where my biggest impact is. And, you know, frankly, it's being able to produce audio content for my podcast, for other great podcasts like yours and doing webinars and 
um, working on my books and my journals. Like that's really where I make the biggest impact. And, you know, talking at conferences is great and getting to meet people face to face. So I definitely make time for conferences and I am speaking at, you know, social media marketing world, which is the biggest social media conference in the world. There's going to be over 5,000 people there this year and it'll be my fifth straight year speaking there. No, sorry, my fourth straight year speaking there. And it's a conference that I, I really enjoy because it's in, a, in San Diego, which used to be my hometown for a number of years. So I make time for that. And like podcast movement, of course, is kind of the industry uh, conference that I, I definitely enjoy. Um, and, and then there's like another kind of hometown conference that I always make time for, which is called Agents of Change, which takes place every September in Maine. And uh, this past year, Chris Brogan was the opening keynote and I was the closing keynote. So that was cool. super cool. Um, but for the most part, you know, I say no um, to speaking opportunities and, you know, I've turned down, you know, big offers. Like my speaking fee is $25,000 and, you know, it's nice. not always um, worth me going out um, and spending three, four days um, because I know that even though it is a big dollar amount, that I can use that same time for, for how my business personally works to generate as much as sometimes it's not more revenue. And then also it's not always about the revenue. Sometimes it's about me just not overextending myself and getting burnt out and traveling too much, et cetera. So I definitely, um, make time for conferences, but on a limited basis. Well, you, you, you started out by saying you, you got into this because you didn't want to have to put on a T-shirt or you know, do all that. So <laughs> totally get it. It's like do the work from, from home in your shorts and then hit the surf afterwards is yeah, what I'm yeah. thinking is what John Lee's doing the rest of the day. Uh, <laughs> listen, you mentioned something earlier, which I wanted to, to come back to, which was you invested $3,500 into a mastermind program early days. Talk about that and how, how that experience was and how that contributed to your ongoing success. So for me, I didn't know much about podcasting. I had never, you know, knew the producing side of it prior to launching. I, I just knew the consuming side of it. So I, I went out and I sought out the best mentors that I could find that were currently where I wanted to be. And I think that's a huge, important statement is a lot of people are like, oh my God, I would love to have Richard Branson or Mark Cuban like as a mentor. Like, would you really, like, do you want to run an airline company or a music company or, or do you want to, you know, create, you know, whatever Mark <laughs> Cuban created and like be on Shark Tank and like run, like, do you want, like, if you want those things and yeah, they'd be great mentors for you. But if you don't like find people who are actually successful in places that you want to become successful in. So for me, that was, the, that was finding successful business podcast hosts, reaching out to them and investing in myself to be mentored and to learn from them so that I could uh, avoid the pitfalls and the mistakes that they made while at the same time I could, you know, learn from their successes and, and leverage their relationships. Like when I hired Jamie Masters of The Eventual Millionaire, she insisted that I, I accompany her to a conference called Blog World in New York City. And that's where I got to meet People like Pat Flynn, Michael Hyatt, Michael Stelzner, Cliff Ravenscraft, who, who have all become friends. And I got to meet them because I was walking around with Jamie, my mentor, who I was investing heavily in on a monthly basis. And she was introducing me as her mentee, like as somebody that she was taking under her wing. So I had that instant credibility because people knew, liked, and trusted Jamie. So they were like, wow, if Jamie is guiding this person, it's, you know, he's probably going to have some chops and he's probably going to, you know, at least launch his podcast, which, you know, sometimes never happens for people when they say, hey, can you be on my podcast? And you're like, yeah. And then, you know, it never happens. So... Investing in myself made it real and, and really accelerated my learning curve. 
That's fantastic. You know what I really like about what you just said is that you invest in yourself early days. I bet you that $3,500 at the time was a lot of money to you, right? It was a ton of money. And I knew that I wasn't going to be making money for a significant amount of time. So that was taking a big chunk out of my, you know, quote unquote runway, which is super important as an entrepreneur to bootstrap, to make your runway as long as possible because most entrepreneurs lose because they run out of time, period. If you don't run out of time, you're probably going to win at some level if you keep doing the right things unless you run out of time. And running out of money is equivalent to running out of time. Absolutely. And my follow-on to that is, this is important for the listener to this podcast, is that you may be in a, in a space like John Lee was, or like Michael and I have been in the past. You don't have a lot of money right now, but you got a passion, you got a dream, you got a vision. You've got to get resourceful and you've got to find a way to invest in those great mentors and those great programs. I mean, that's really important, isn't it, John Lee? It was the key to my success. Yeah. Simply said, right? Simply said. You know, one of the things that uh, Michael and I like to do as we close off an interview with an awesome thought leader like you is we ask you, what would be your three kind of expert action steps, the three piece, best pieces of advice that you'd give to someone listening to this episode in terms of how they can take their success to the next level? And then at the end, we ask you to tell us, what are you doing right now that's new, hot, and exciting that you want to promote to our people, whether it's the Freedom Journal or something else? Because we'd like to do that. Cool. Well, love all of that. And I would say, start off with this. Like, sit down and really decide the topic that you want to become an expert in and be willing to go super narrow, super niche, and super deep in that topic. I like to say, go one inch wide and one mile deep. I was the best podcast that was interviewing successful entrepreneurs seven days a week. I was also the worst. I was also the only, like I crushed my niche because I was the only person doing that thing. I won the game because I was the only person playing the game. So what is the game that you can win? That's where your niche, your topic, your focus should be. And then number two, you got to establish your avatar. Who's that perfect listener for your podcast, reader of your blog, viewer of your videos, whatever it might be. Who's that perfect person? Craft them. I could go on and on about my avatar, Jimmy, 36 years old, a wife and two kids, ages three and five. He has a 25-minute commute to work. I know everything about this guy. So I know who I'm speaking to on my podcast. So know your perfect avatar. I know where Jimmy is. So I can go find Jimmy in the, in the virtual world and bring him back to my show, to my website, to my products and services. Huge. And then number three, create free, valuable, and consistent content. You have to do those things. You have to do that to build the audience that you can then turn to the audience and say, what are you struggling with? You can listen to their pain points, obstacles, challenges, struggles, and then you can in turn, as the person that they know, like, and trust, create the solution for them in the form of a product, a service, a community, that's how I created Podcasters Paradise, which is the number one podcasting community in the world. That's how I launched the Freedom Journal off of that idea, which is something I would love for people to check out because if you want to set and accomplish your number one goal in 100 days, thefreedomjournal.com is your guide for that. It's a stunning hardcover journal that's daily steps, nightly recaps, 10-day sprints, quarterly reviews. It sounds like a lot. But what it is, is it results in you accomplishing your number one goal in 100 days and, and knocking over that one big domino that you have in your life to start your chain reaction of awesome. You know, my big domino was launching EO Fire and everything that I've had as a success since then has been from that 
knocking over domino of EO Fire and launching that podcast and accomplishing that goal. Um, and something new, hot, and exciting. Uh, this January uh, 23rd of 2017, I'm launching the Mastery Journal. And it is something I'm so passionate about. I'm, I'm working a year on it. And it's about how you can master productivity, discipline, and focus in 100 days. Those are my three biggest strengths. And I teach and guide you step-by-step how you can master those three things like I have in 100 days and really change your life. John Lee, man, that's absolutely awesome. I love what you shared with us. This has been one of my absolute favorite episodes. And you know what? Michael and I would love to talk to you offline about buying a bunch of your freedom journals and a bunch of your new mastery journals for some of our clients in our program. Absolutely. And we just love that we had you on this show and we're going to expedite getting it out into the world because we just think it's so important that people listen to your message and what you have to say. Thank you so much, man. Nikki, Michael, it was an absolute pleasure and I'll catch you guys on the flip side. Awesome. Take care, John. Bye. That wraps another episode of the Business of Thought Leadership podcast. You can find all of the information from this episode at thebusinessofthoughtleadership.com. As well, please subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. We'd love to know what you think. Until next time, goodbye. You've been listening to the Business of Thought Leadership with Nikki Ballou and Michael Palmer. For more information and to download the resources mentioned in this episode, please visit us at thebusinessofthoughtleadership.com. Thank you for listening.